listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. Hello and welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders and this week I am your chunk. I'm Doge and I'm letting life hit me until it gets tired. Then I'll hit back. It's a classic chunk-a-dunk. One of my favorite lines in this movie. (laughs) And I'm Carter. And... Hunk. Ah, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're a good whistler. Thank you. Is that why you're the hunk? I learned from Mary Poppins Robin. Mary Robbins. (laughs) Nice. Uh, no, I'm the hunk because Doge was so sweet to bring it up, and it was something I was remembering. I had felt this interesting nostalgia with La La Land and the Two Chunks podcast, and it wasn't because we'd done La La Land before. It was oh, thank because goodness. my oh shoot, what my, if we that, got into an episode and we're like, oh my gosh, we've wait. already done this movie, <laughs> we've already done it. Um, uh, the very first episode that I ever recorded, and I believe we were in, was that. Jordan's apartment or Doge's apartment? Doge's old apartment. That was my first apartment. It's Doge's old apartment. No, it was your second apartment. No, uh, that was my first apartment since I got married. I I walked in as kind of a... Part of me was like, I feel like I'm going to keep being the host. And then part of me was like, I don't know. There's a lot of pressure here. But thankfully, because of the relationship and the incredible chemistry between Ryan and Emma Stone... uh, and the fact that it was something that the three of us had done for a long time is talk about movies. There really was, it kind of, it kind of felt really good. But my very first recording with you guys was Crazy Stupid Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a, it was a Gosling Emma Stone relationship film. Uh, and so, yeah, that was, a, this is, you know, this is, uh, La La Land is only two of three that yeah. they have this. The other one is Gangster Squad, <laughs> which maybe we can do someday. Um, I love that we've yeah. I love that we've come all the way full circle. Where this will be your last episode. <laughs> yes, perfect. And it's it's led to that thing that we always say every episode, and let's say it all together. Yeah. Yep, right now the goose the, the goose, goose gotta get, gotta get stones. Get stones. stones. Yeah, that's what I'm you know about geese. Geese gotta have gotta their get, stones. Gotta, gotta have, have their stones. stones. I've always we've said done. That. This is our third Gosling movie, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, because we did the uh, notebook. Hey, hey but real quick, as well. what is our third Gosling movie? Oh, let's talk about that. <laughs> we are going to talk about that. It is the First second man. movie of our Chusical series. And uh, that movie, according to voters, a.k.a. you listeners, that movie is La La Land. And uh, boy, what a doozy this movie is. I would love to know, you know, just tight, tied up in a nice little box with a nice little bow. I would love a synopsis of this movie. And the only way that I can think to do that is to ask our dear, dear friend, Katie Pestilis for a little help. Really, here. this is the only way. It's been yep. like a week of me not doing, it, and this is the only way. I'm now. never going back. I'm I'm sick of you. City of stars, Emma and Ryan on the screen. La La Land, a tale of just how toxic audition rooms can be. Just how much John Legend got paid to cameo. They sing and float the ends a nope. They had me sucked in. together like we all hoped. Amazing. Lovely sing, Mopsis, Katie. Guys, I'm just going to say it. I la la loved it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. <sighs> so I feel like the best thing to do is just jump in. <laughs> yeah, let's all dance on the hood of our cars. So I'll do the, I'll do the background stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole time. So this is uh, this is Callie's favorite movie it's of all time. So, really? Yep. And so watching it with her is basically every time the scene changes, she's just like, "Ooh, I really like this part." I said that to Jess while we were watching it. I was like, "Of all the people that I know, I would kill to watch this with Callie because I feel like Callie." Callie is probably Damien Chazelle's ideal audience member for this movie. Yes. And she gets a little bit like Amy Poehler and Mean Girls, like doing the dance, like in the aisle yeah, while the girls yeah. are doing their Perfect. thing. Like during, during the movie, she's, she's a little bit just like, Oh, and then this part and then this, this one, Cute. Uh, but she just absolutely adores this movie. And I, I, I gotta say, I get it. I get yeah. it. I'm such absolutely a, such a I thought you know watching the first scene I'm like wait is this my super pump right because like, the way that it kicks off it's definitely a big pump and it is it is so good and it, there's so much good about it like I wait Doge you've got a face like it's a yeah can you imagine if that was somebody's super pump that would be wild to I just wasn't start off the doubting that I was pump. like it very uh, almost was my, there's a, my it's a triple super pump ready and it whoa. is <laughs> it's the dance number at the beginning. Yep. It's the planetarium and it's the epilogue. Every, yeah. like all of these elements that are like the least movie, you know what I mean? And they're, they're like lean more into the fantasy. Oh, uh, they're, they're, they're also the most like classic. Exactly. Hollywood well, the musical. crazy thing is this yeah. is Damien Chazelle's second flick. Right. Uh, After Damien Whiplash, Chazelle, right? He did Whiplash first. And I, I, uh, I own this movie on Blu-ray. This was a day one purchase for me when it came yeah. out. Whiplash is um, great. But like I was watching a, a documentary with him and he was talking about how this is the movie he's wanted to make since about 2009. Uh, like he wrote basically the whole thing. And like in that original draft, he's like, it starts with this big dance number on the freeway. About halfway through, they go to the planetarium and they dance in the stars. And then the last thing in the movie is this epilogue and alternate reality showing Mia and Sebastian ending up together. And like so much of this is unchanged from his first draft. He had such a that. specific auteur vision for what this movie could be. He talks about how like he was like as a new director and my friend Justin Horwitz, a new composer, nobody would let us make this musical. Like right. they don't do that anymore, especially with new directors and new composers. This is going to be nobody's first shot. Yep. So he wrote and made whiplash as a means to an end. He was like, I'm going to do whiplash because it'll be easier to get greenlit. It can still be me. It can still feel like a kind of movie that I would like to make. Yep. But I really, I'm doing that to buy studio equity so that I can make my dream project, which is La La Land. Yeah. Cause I think originally they had, it would have been like a million dollar project. He was thinking uh, then, of a budget of 800,000. Right. And then, and then whiplash happens and the studio says, here's $30 million to make this. So yeah, it's. It and, bums and, me out how young he is too. He's nine years older than me. And I'm right. like, oh man, nine years from now, I won't be directing La La Land. Dude, but yeah. also that means we have so much career left ahead of him. I am yeah, so excited. I, haven't I, seen, I even liked First Man. I, I haven't First seen Man. First Man yet. I haven't uh, either. But Damien, Damien Chazelle was almost a pick for me back when we did Chooser's Choice. Mm, uh, like yeah. I almost picked him over Spielberg just because he is, like he reminds me of, of Denis Villeneuve in that way of like he is somebody who is new on the scene but he is absolutely somebody to watch totally there there are so many good younger directors right mm -hmm. like we have like we had a season that showed us like and they continue to make stuff obviously because directors have uh, honestly anyone that's Hollywood has basically they're doing stuff till they die but it's like Scorsese and Spielberg and, and all these beautiful things and even like you can put Fincher and Scott into that uh like generation but then now we have like the Villeneuve's and nolan. right and uh nolan and chazelle i mean i even think of people so like exciting. noah hawley super involved with like yeah. fargo and yep. stuff like like he's young and he's doing a lot of really cool stuff um, yep. and inaritu and oh Del yeah, Toro yeah, and let's not call Del Toro what, young uh, well he's <laughs> yeah. in the middle <laughs> speaking of Inaritu, I, I watched the thing where their their choreographer was describing this opening dance number as Birdman meets singing in the rain because it's so good all, all one take uh and there's so much of that like the camera refuses to cut while we're in these big dance numbers and I know I'm coming hot off of last week saying I don't understand dancing I think I understand dancing now. <laughs> that's all it took. Look, that's I, all it took. I want to talk, Doge, I think that's a great springboard because something I want to talk about is, so there is, and, and I want to use 
Mary Poppins as the perfect analog with this. Mary Poppins is the example of we're going to get to um, a musical that was written for the stage and adapted to a movie. But I think there's a reason there's only one of those on this list. Yeah. And it's, I think it's because typically it doesn't work out super well, but when a movie musical that was written to be a movie really digs in and takes advantage of the medium, you mm-hmm. get Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. You yeah. get La La Land. I you was thinking this that musical we that understands what it is in a really unique way. Yeah. yeah. Wondering if there, I was wondering if there was a stage version of this or if there were ever plans for it. And then the more I watched it, the further into the movie I got, I started to realize I don't want to see a stage version of this because it can't, like so much of La La Land is about the actual production and the cinematography and the camera work and the sets. And like, if you remove that stuff, then you got to replace it with something amazing if you're going to make a good stage version. Well, we talk about this opening scene and kind of what you have to go through there. And you're not going to get the same kind of uh, reverence for if you're seeing this on stage, because it's like they shut down a highway in LA. It was 109 degrees. So everyone had two sets of the exact costume because they would just sweat through one of them before they could get to the neck. Because, you know, you don't want to keep spending money for shutting down an overpass in LA. And like Mandy Moore is the choreographer for the the opening stuff it's not that mandy moore right it's a different one but it's like it's dancing with the stars mandy moore i think the fact that this person is underneath a car during that whole time (laughs) like shouting out like the the steps and stuff is just because it's yeah it's it's pretty well thought out and i don't think that's the same on stage i agree and and i think so there's something with specifically movie musicals there is this dreaminess inherent to a good movie musical because there is so much metaphor involved because in the in the story of Seb and Mia, they're not breaking into song. They're not dancing. They're not floating up into the top of Griffith Observatory. They're not being surrounded by people looking at them singing the same song, jumping into the pool. Like, this is all an extended visual metaphor for what they're feeling and going through. And I think that's what a movie musical has to tap into is that it's both telling a story and presenting a spectacle to the audience. And that's like the lens we're viewing the story through is it's all perspective. You're almost watching it inside out where the emotional stuff is on the outside. And then the, the more subtle human stuff is on the inside. That was actually one of the questions we got for, uh, our, our segment on mini Monday yesterday. What's in the box. We had, uh, a listener write in and ask us what keeps a movie musical, from being cheesy, like basically where's the line that makes it cross right. from cheesy into like transcendent and important. And I think it's that, I think if you nail that metaphor and the right. spectacle is there and it serves the story well, then I think it's impossible for it to be cheesy. I Totally. I, I think of the beginning, yeah. I think of Mia sitting at the party and there's this guy, you don't hear what he's saying, but he's talking to her. She's kind of ignoring him. And then she gets up. And all I could think in that moment is, the guy's not important. What he was saying wasn't important. What we're supposed to gather is she went to this party, got chatted up and doesn't care. Like it's this, it's this dreamlike state. Kind of what we talked about with Mary Poppins. I do love that guy at the party though. And he's like, (sighs) it could be a whole franchise. I'm talking about like Goldilocks and three bears. Was there a fourth bear? Yes. Nobody really could be a franchise. (laughs) I'm talking about, I'm talking about the guy at the first party. That's like leaning on her with the drink. Not that guy. I love that guy. I think he's very funny. I'm talking about at the pool party. Sorry. They're both pool parties. That's funny. <laughs> the, the big dance number party. Okay, the big party. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the one so that starts with her in her apartment. That correct. dance number. Yes. Yeah. Which is great, by the way. Big time. Um, there is so, and this is hard, right? Because this is a series about musicals, and um, you know, we're a movie podcast, and we want to always address the moviness of something. But there's so much more that goes into every. I mean, a sci-fi movie. We're not just talking about it as a movie. We're talking about it as sci-fi. And I would say that. There is no, this is not the strongest musical in our series, but dude, this is, I'm, I'm planting my flag and saying this is the best movie in this series and one of the best movies we have talked about. Yeah. I mean, were any of the others nominated for best picture? Right. Yes. It's just. Which one? Sound of Music? Sound of Music, Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Yeah, that's, good. Uh, that's true. I think Les Mis was. <clears throat> so, so yeah, so idiot. really none of them. So none of them really. <laughs> but it does have one. 14 nominations. Right. So, so La La Land had 14 and won six and it didn't win for best picture because Guys, this, I just remembered, 
I just remembered a funny joke I was going to make at the beginning related to this uh, best picture thing. Do you Carter, to, you say it though. I don't uh, have you to say it. I were you going to say Moonlight when we asked what I was the name say, of the movie was? I was going <laughs> to say that we were going to review Moonlight. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's that's the year that it happened. La La Land did win for maybe ten seconds. Right. Uh, thanks, Warren Beatty. Uh, but. It ended up uh, not actually being the winner there with, with much controversy. Oof. Ugh, that was tough. Hey, I didn't see Moonlight, but I was very mad that La La Land didn't win because I love this movie. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the piano in the restaurant, are when our first two story beats collide, Mia and mm-hmm. um, Seb, I think that that is... Um, such a cool way to tell this story. So I, I keep getting hung up on, um, I've been, uh, at, at Carter and a few other people's recommendation. I've been listening to an oral history of the office on Spotify, the podcast hosted by Brian Baumgartner. And, um, was that Carter's recommendation? Carter doesn't like the office. I, was it, was it's it not that I don't like the office. Don't put that on me. Carter's was that hates not your the recommendation? Office. I think it was mine. I've been listening to that. Okay. Maybe it was your recommendation then. I've but yeah, no, listening. Carter hates the office. Carter thinks he's funnier than, Greg Daniels and that wonderful team. He thinks he could have done a better show than them. So, uh, but one of the people he interviews, it's a woman named, uh, Jen. I can't remember her last name. She's one of the writers on the show and she talks about, I'm paraphrasing her here, but she talks about the romance of nailing it and the romance of missing it. And this is a movie about the romance of just missing it. Um, like never quite fully getting it. And I think this first scene, the the first interaction not on the highway sets the tone for that. Ryan Gosling standing up, her trying to connect, and him just brushing right past. And it completely this is we've talked about subverting expectations with a proverbial eye roll in the past. This is subverting expectations in a really great way. Um yeah. where we we have been, I think, conditioned by movies to wait for this meat cute. And it just doesn't really happen. Yeah. It's sort of a meat blank. Like, well, I would I would argue that uh, this is so interesting because it says it says lots of interesting and powerful things about creativity. But I, I would say that Mia and Seb probably never loved each other. I think they loved uh, like the the encouragement. Basically, they loved who they could be with the other person. Okay, this is a good conversation because I disagree. Because I think their whole thing, like I, I like Mia's never had somebody just blanket encourage her no matter what the way that Seb does. And Seb's never had somebody be able to engage with him and say, no, you really could have a club. I mean, don't call it chicken on a stick, but he's never like neither of them have ever had somebody say your dream can become reality. And here's a tangible expression of maybe how you get there. This might be a good next step for you. And they provide that for each other. But at the end of the day, I think they were in love with their dream and like they were together because it's intoxicating being able to get what I feel like I was made to do. I Completely agree. Um, I just also think they loved each other as well. Like, I think they loved each other. They just loved their dream more. Yeah. Is that's I think what it maybe maybe they to. loved each other, but then as, as you know, as the relationship went on, they realized maybe, maybe it's not Mia that I love so much as Mia's encouragement. And she's been a very encouraging presence in my life, but I don't need right. her in my life to continue to have that encouragement. Because uh, yeah. I buy it when they tell each other, hey, I'm, I'm always going to love you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I buy that. I, I think they do love each other and I think it is romantic as well, but I think that there is just this element of like, I love you, but not enough to give up on this, which is valid and, and interesting and not something we explore a lot. And I realistic. Think. Yeah. I yeah. think yeah. the, I think, and I don't think Doji were saying that they were void of love each other, but I think that they definitely loved each other in that the ending becomes more heartbreaking when you think they love each other. Right. Yeah. Because yes, they both end up getting the careers that they wanted, but there was still that thing that's like, man, yeah, that we we could have been together. Like it could have been us together doing these things, possibly. But yeah, yeah. This is this is an this is a movie yeah. that I love and find incredibly heartbreaking. <laughs> like yeah, it 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 bums me out in a major way, and I love it for that. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that a little bit more. I'd love to save some of that good juice for a little bit later. And what I want to talk about right now is my super dump. Ooh. Yeah. And it is, I'm going to be honest, it was difficult to find a super dump for this movie. If I'm just being very candid and real, it was hard for me to find anything I don't like about this movie. So I I, I landed on it and I feel pretty good about it. And it is 
It's twofold. And it starts at the second pool party. <laughs> I My super dump is that I am, as an audience member, I feel as though I am expected to pretend that I don't want to be in that band that he is in at that party with every <laughs> fiber of my being. <laughs> and I would jump headfirst into that band and have the most fun in the whole world. <laughs> no way, dude. Requesting Iran from a serious musician. Yeah. I can't believe you would do that. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, but my, my it's twofold, like I said, because the other part of that is also, I feel like I'm expected to look down on that certified whole grain banger. Nolan Ryan banger sure. of a John Legend song in the, the second half of this movie. Yeah, I was like, can this be a band? Like, why can't this be a real band? I think that's intentional, though. Like, I think I the messenger stuff is. is intentional that you have to go, that's really good and maybe he could be happy, but at the end of the day, that's not his dream. And totally. even though it's good, it's not what he's on so, earth for, you yeah, know? Such, totally. such an incredibly I'm, diluted super dump combination. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It's, it's just so funny to me, like, watching it. Every time I've watched the movie, when her face is like, uh, in the crowd and he looks bored playing that song and I'm just like I don't get it yeah. like absolutely <laughs> grooving oh it's so good <laughs> you know we're talking about making the burning our CD that we're going to have for this series it's the choosical CD that we're each going to make the album nine songs on it and I guarantee you there's a I, there's a chance that that song is gonna actually be on the album that i burned for everybody can it's i do got, that and I, also I, I ran can i count i ran <laughs> no <laughs> i was listening to that john legend song yesterday and it's got that uh it's got that a star was born soundtrack vibe where it's like this is a good song the production doesn't sound like it would if it was a real song and it's like way shorter than it would be if it was a real song and <laughs> right. I wish it was a real song and not a fake song they made for a movie right exactly yeah. Totally. But I think that's why it works so well, right? Is that it's, yeah. it's got this element of of a modern smash hit, and then yet it starts and ends with this weird jazzy piano that only fits and makes sense if you know it's from La La Land. I'm starting to see that all directors that I respect the most just have an inhuman amount of confidence. Like I think the risks hmm. that they're willing to take, like you like it it makes for a much better story if that song is really good. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you go ahead and say, Hey, I know I've done one, I've directed one movie, but, um, Mr. Egot, uh, right. <laughs> would you, would it be okay if you played this role, uh, this minor role in this movie I have coming out? Is that okay with you? Yeah, sure. Like, and, and can I make you a little more uncomfortable though and actually have you learned the guitar for this song because the guy that actually is just the actor he's gonna play piano yeah that's fine we can do that <laughs> and and murder it. and crush it yeah they did not Can't use a hand it. double ever in yeah. this movie that's and, that's all the goose man himself and his respect for giselle you feel like too and just for his craft and gosling was like if you want to do one takes i know it's going to be a lot easier for you if we do one shot and it's actually me playing Right. Like that was some of the big influence of Gosling being like, I think I'm, I want to learn all this stuff myself outside of just wanting to challenge himself. But dude, it's he's not just playing chopsticks like, yeah, he's doing a really good job. And, and this is oh just gosh. coming from like, I don't play an instrument. Right. So I, I know the rest of my hosts here do like, am I missing something? Like, is he he's impressive, right? Like he's oh, doing he's yes. really impressive. Okay. I would I would actually be shocked if he's actually doing all those chromatic sweeps up and down the keyboard because we're noticeably never tight on his hands when he's doing that. We're we're always back out when he's sweeping his hands up and down the keyboard. I bet those are dubbed over. Okay. Like I don't know if what we're hearing is him playing, but he is actually playing a lot of these parts. And uh I think the it was a contender for my super pump. When they're playing City of Stars in their apartment you can tell he's actually playing that and that's their onset audio mm -hmm. because you can watch his face and he's trying really hard to act like he's not trying really hard to play the piano part right. Right, right. Dude, and he, uh, while we're talking about City of Stars, my as a joke, my super dump was almost the key that that song is written in because he's like, he's like, City of Stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so low. But I love, I love like the laughter between him and Emma Stone um, when they're playing it and like he is so low and trying to like gut that note out. It's just yeah. fun. Um, there, there is, there is so much musically to appreciate in this movie. 
Um, and I know this, this would be a very easy movie to spend the entire episode talking about every single little thing. Um, cause there's so we much move to on, appreciate before, I, a little thing I want to talk about. I just want to, I know he's listening. So I want to give a big pump to Justin Hurwitz, our composer for this and for <laughs> La La Land. He wrote a lot of really great jazz tunes for both of these movies that fit in right alongside the actual jazz standards that are being played in these two movies. And it's like, he is so, so impressive. Did you me. mean this in Whiplash? Yeah. What did I say? La La Land, which is also this. No, he wrote, he did two movies called La La Land. One of them <laughs> is about Miles Teller playing drums. One of them is about Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling singing. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm, um, I'm, I thought that I had seen this before, but then when we brought it up again about Gosling playing the piano, all articles and uh, research that I'm reading is that there's never a double, that everything that, yeah. that was played was actually Gosling. Yep. Um, I think they're talking about hand double. Like when we show close-ups of hands, those are Gosling's hands. Because that's that's what they were talking about in the okay, documentary okay, okay, about okay, it okay, I watched. Okay. I just really want to give him credit for yeah. being that good. I think that would be amazing. He is... We can just ask, We can call him after the podcast. Yeah, we'll just ask, we'll just, we'll we'll ask, ask him. him. He is infuriating to me that he lives on this same plane of existence that <laughs> I live on. He <laughs> is so funny. He is so hot. He is such a good actor. He's got a very nice voice. He learned to play piano in like 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Yes. He just 45. Is just on another level in regards to virtually everything he does. And I find it nauseating and I love him. Mm-hmm. So it's time to rate this movie. I'm going to give it. <laughs> is he your, is he your preferred flavor of Ryan? Yeah. Over Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, he is me too. Same. Sorry, Ryan Reynolds, you're canceled. Sorry, officially. I love, I love, I love Ryan Reynolds. As time goes on, the gap widens. Yes, Gosling strikes me as a man who can do it all. Reynolds because strikes me as a man who is very, very good at what he does, but his funnel is is more narrow. Yeah. Reynolds is very good at one thing. Gosling is also good at that thing. Well, Reynolds is very good at a couple of things, yeah. but I think Gosling's also good at those things. Right. And then also Gosling can do stuff like Blade Runner 2049. I would never, ever expect to see Ryan Reynolds do that kind of role. Dude, the yeah. fact that it was like La La Land and it was like, oh, he's so charming and fun. And then it was like, a year later, Blade Runner 2049, it was like, oh, he's so tortured and sad. Yeah. Well, and Drive wasn't too much before La La Land. Yeah, I guess Drive was in like 2011. Drive. Yeah. 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 Which is also just very... Like five years before? Yeah. yeah this yeah. this was his second nomination, Oscar nomination. He had Hawk Nelson was his first Oscar nomination, which I've actually never seen. I think it's one of the only Gosling movies I haven't seen. What did you just say the name of that movie is? Hang on, try again. Is it called Half Nelson? Hawk Nelson? Hawk Nelson is a Christian punk rock band. Oh no. <laughs> half Nelson. Is it Half Nelson? Yeah. Okay, yeah, Half Nelson. I said Hawk My favorite Nelson. is when Ryan Gosling sings about like writing a letter to the president. That's probably my favorite Ryan Gosling moment. <laughs> that joke is for me, your wife, and yep. maybe one other person. Exactly. <laughs> half Nelson, sorry. Wow. Hawk Nelson, very good, very good. Um, I want to, and this is on behalf of me, but also on behalf of Callie, she would be upset if I didn't mention this dude, the colors. Yes. This movie is just an absolute feast for the eyeballs. That shoot it. We shoot it and color it. Like it's a a 1960s cinemascope technicolor masterpiece. Like the aspect ratio is the same as, as the, um, as the kind of film that we would expose then the colors are treated to look as bright and vibrant and creamy as like these classic 60s musicals it's it's a really really intentional creative decision but if you're not paying attention for it i don't feel like you notice you notice that it's a lot of work to dial that in exactly right yeah and was la la land shot on film i'm not sure i thought I'm i might have read sure. of something that it's actually it was shot on film uh but Speaking of the colors too, that when we have the two of them, uh, uh, "Lovely Night," I think mm. was the name of the song. When we have the two of them dancing after the party in front of that like kind of purple background, um, they had like thirty minutes, I think, of like that perfect background. And then obviously, there's a little bit of of uh, dolling up that we do to make yeah. it look as good as it does. But uh, it was so interesting to see they were able to get five takes. I think they end up taking take number four. But it was like they would have people, they would just do it like 
over and over again for as long as they had that beautiful light and it would have somebody come in and like wipe the sweat off of their brow because it's kind of asking a lot of them. But I'm sure that was pretty exhausting. But then can you ima- imagine the amount of pressure? <laughs> it's like, hey, we got 30, 30 minutes. minutes. Let's, let's knock this out for this big, big movie. Yeah, that was so that scene to me is like the perfect marriage of like the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers kind of like dance number with yeah. like the way we've treated the sky in the background. It looks like those backlit silk screens that we would use on, like we used one in Mary Poppins to be the outside sky. It's the same thing. It's amazing. Well, and that ends up being our 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 movie poster, right? That ends up being the actual poster. Is the two of them in the middle of that, as it should be. Um, And this scene is full of so many of those little things I was talking about that we could spend the whole rest of the podcast talking about. But uh, the one I want to be hard to keep this one chugging along. I know. There's too much pretty stuff outside the train window for us to keep on trucking. I know. I think um, one of my favorite parts of the movie is the realization that he walked past his car like a long time ago to get her to her car. Yeah. It's yeah. just such a it's just such a charming small way to show like the budding romance. Yep. You know, I, I don't know. It, it it is. I really admire the the subtlety of attraction that they show at the beginning, the yep. teasing, the I'll walk you to your car, the, the back and forth. I don't know. It's just really, um, it's really special when it's done right. And I think it's done really well here. And all of our talks of Ryan Gosling, this was almost miles Teller, uh, wow. of, yeah. of Damien Chazelle, just kind of like trying to do a Nolan kind of thing and keep using his people. I feel like he does that um, with JK Simmons. Mm-hmm. He definitely does that with JK Simmons. Uh, but yeah, Emma Stone was not the first choice either. It was, it was, uh, uh actually Emma Watson, I think. Yep. And then she turned that down to go do Beauty and the Beast where, Oof. where Ryan Gosling actually turned down the role of the beast to come do La La Land. Wow. So I thought that was kind of a fun overlap there. And so you, I feel like almost every movie, you know, you definitely have the moments to where like last week it was, we have to have Dame Julie Andrews. She wasn't at the time. She wasn't dang Julie Andrews yet. She was just Julie Andrews. We have to have her. But then you do have the moments to where you're like, people just kind of many Oscar winners were not the first choice for that role. And I think hmm. that's so cool. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's kismet. Um, there's a lot more that I'd like to talk about in regards to um, Seb and Mia specifically. We haven't really touched on Emma Stone yet. Um, and there's going to be plenty to talk about there. Yeah. But before we do any of that, I'd like us to take a little detour over to Shout Announcements. Welcome to Shout Announcements. <laughs> it's the part of the show where we give shout outs. Lower. And make announcements. <laughs> Now sing the Grinch song. <laughs> You're a mean one. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Perfect. Hey, <laughs> you listening. I know you follow us on Instagram. I know you do because I checked. And if you don't, then I'm not talking to you. But now I am. Follow us on Instagram. And if you do that, look, we would love to have you take a few moments out of your day and rate and review our show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It does wonders for us when you can jump in and say some nice things about us, pick a number of stars somewhere around near or exactly on five of them, perhaps. (laughs) But, uh, and some of you have been doing that. We've been getting um, a steady number of new reviews recently, and we would love to ramp that right on up. So if you don't mind, it would help us out a great deal and we would love you for it. And I'll tell you what, I'll blow you a kiss. I'll blow you a big kiss as soon as you do it. Just know I did it when you when you do the review. Some of those reviews uh, have come from the followers of Katie Pesless, who has been our co-host for this, our co-creator for a lot of this uh, Choosical series. And so we really do appreciate that. We appreciate everything that she's doing for our podcast right now and her talents. And she's got a ton of content. She posts several times a day. Speaking of Instagram, uh, go follow go follow Katie Pesslis, which is K-A-T-I-E-P-E-S-L-I-S. And as she said, S as in Sam, not like F, Katie Pesslis. That's not right. Katie Pesslis. Uh, go give her a follow. Uh, and she's just like super talented. She does a lot of stuff. And Donnie, who I'm learning to love, more and more every day because he's also like very funny. They've just got some good chemistry together. And then she's doing a ton of her, 
her stuff uh, musically. And so just, just really good content and worth a follow. Speaking of Instagram, you've heard of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Now, are you ready for Melissa the Fully Grown Grinch? And here, let me explain what I mean by that. What did the Grinch do? What was his cardinal sin? Oh, he, he stole, stole Christmas, Christmas yep. from oh. folks who needed it. And Melissa... I bought this Christmas from Quebec. Well, that was a really good Melissa Joan Hart, because Melissa stole our Christmas. And we actually don't know if she stole it or if we just had the same idea. I'm leaning towards the latter. We both just capitalized on the same crappy I'm Christmas starting pun. starting to lean towards stole. But here's the deal. We wrote a movie called Feliz Navidad starring the incomparable and irreplaceable Mario Lopez. And Melissa has announced that she has finished shooting a movie called Feliz Navidad starring the incomparable and irreplaceable Mario Lopez. And so we need your help getting in touch with Melissa. Uh, you've been doing a great job of that, keeping it aggressively kind. Uh, and we're loving it. So continue to comment on Melissa Joan Hart's posts when she uh, when she does decide to grace us with her Instagram thoughts. Uh, continue shouting us out. Continue encouraging Melissa to read the DM that we've sent her because at this point, we just want to see if we can make her heart grow three sizes to stop being such a mean Grinch. It It's really just a full-scale assault of kindness. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. That's all it is. Yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I want to talk about Emma Stone. Oscar okay? winner. Think, Emma Stone. I was about to say, do you think she did a very good job in this? I mean, I know she won an Oscar, oh but like, my is it good? Gosh. For every good thing I have to say about Ryan Gosling, it's it's her and then some for this movie. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I, so I, I mentioned this a little bit off, off record uh, when we were heading over to shout announcements, but I, I am, I have been stuck between several super pumps and uh, one of them that I was stuck on is just her, yeah. just Emma Stone. She is phenomenal. Um, I, I like when she sings. I think that she does. I mean, she's not, um, she's not that some like outstanding vocalist, but she sounds great. Like she sounds really good. She is so um, charming, but also so intense. Yeah. Um, I mean, she just blows me away, particularly, um, obviously we can't talk about her without talking about her audition scene, uh, the fool's yeah. who dream. I think that was the little clip they showed at the Oscars when yes. they were like, and best actress nominee is Emma Stone. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, definitely. Out of this world. Amazing. Yeah. She I does can't such watch it without job. chills. Yeah. And I, you know, you didn't even... I feel like as a viewer, you don't realize how old Hollywood she kind of looks until yeah. she's in this setting. Exactly. And you're like, you know what? I could have seen her in the 60s. Yep. Super interesting because, you know, a couple of the big winners for La La Land are, are her and Damien Chazelle because he wins for Best Director. And we didn't have a Best Director winner uh, attached to a musical since Cabaret came out in 1972. Wow. wow. And so, you know, we have this almost, well, 40 years later, more than 40 years later that we have another director of a musical. And so if he ever wanted to bring that, that hype back, he did it in a big way. What's fun, though, is David Chazelle decided, you know, when Emma Watson falls through, he decides, I, I think I'd like Emma Stone to do this because he's watching Emma Stone do a stage version of Cabaret. And so oh, it's wow. kind of funny that, that we have that overlap there um, in terms of like be her sing and stuff like that. And so I think, yeah, she does she does such a good job and she's so incredibly emotive. I mm, think yeah. the Lord gave her a face that really leans into being able to do that. You know, she's just got these big eyes and I think Emma Stone is, is now a part of this list. I didn't really realize I was starting to make it until Donna Hay crying in interstellar. <laughs> but Emma Stone is on this list of if they cry, I cry like no totally. matter what they're crying about in yeah. a movie. Yeah. Because yeah, her her chin just quivers a little bit, and I just want to help her. Like I'm so sorry, <laughs> dude. Like I'm and so, whatever's so. going on, it sucks. I know. I'm so sorry. And she yeah. has this comedy of the face 
where like her facial expressions are she's so, so animated. Funny, dude. Yeah. She's so animated when she's dancing by herself after she got him to I play Iran. So very uh, when good. she's when she's dancing in that club in the piano club when he's playing, uh, that is that's an actual camera movement. Oh so my a lot gosh. of times when we have those blurs, like we'll just we'll shoot Gosling and then we'll just swing the camera away and not really care where it lands, and we'll cut in the middle while everything's blurred. And this one we are, we're actually swinging it back and forth between our two performers, and so that's captured in like real time with each other. It's amazing. That's so cool. However, one thing that is decidedly not amazing is how I feel right now about to super dump because there is, uh, there is virtually nothing wrong with this movie in my humble, but slightly informed opinion. Uh, but the thing I liked the least was that neither of our leads are particularly strong singers. Okay. And it doesn't bother me at all, even a little bit. But as I was looking at this movie, that's kind of the one thing that I was like, well, I guess that could have been better but I don't want to recast our leads. So, right. And it's, it is what it is. It, it's difficult. Cause I know the struggle that you're feeling trying to find a super dump. And it's so funny that you bring that up because I actually love that. Yeah. <laughs> it lends and, this and I'm sure air of realism. Listen, I'm sitting on the razor's edge. All you got to do is blow on me and I'm going to fall over to your <laughs> line of reasoning. Like I'm <laughs> right. very precariously right. balanced on this super dump. I think we get to, yeah, I, I, I liked it too, Jordan. And I think, um, what that lends itself to that, that these aren't just like amazing vocalists. And when we do get one too, which is another reason of like, I'm, while we had John legend playing the guitar, he is our lead vocalist for the song. That's just absolutely yeah. slaps. Right. So, um, but I think with them both not being really like phenomenal, it allows the viewer more than they ever have in a musical to be like, that feels like me. Cause it's already a very real story, you know, outside of the fantastical elements, but then also yeah. like, I think it's really easy for anyone to sing along with six stars, which won the Oscar yeah. for, you know, original song. And, you know, Emma, probably the most, one of the most impactful emotive songs is her audition song. And that one mm. is the one that takes the most, I think. And it was good for yeah. her to be able to pull that off. Um, yeah. But yeah, I will say though, there, there is an element of like, I know Damien Chazelle's, his whole like mentality was like, let's take those classic forties and fifties and sixties musicals. And like, make one for today where people are able to see themselves in it today. But it does feel there's something that just does feel a little strange that this, uh, like our leads are as white as they would be in the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. You know what I mean? Like there is, I feel like there's a way to maybe increase our representation a little bit to make it more representative of what the world is like in 2016. And, you know, maybe, maybe the answer is not to, have two white leads or maybe that's not a problem, but I just, it does feel like a little bit of a sticking point where it's like, it's great, but did we emulate too much of classic Hollywood by making it a, you know, a, a two white people, mostly white people story? Yeah. I don't know. I can't answer that. Yeah, yeah no, that's a, that's a, that's a valid conversation, valid. especially if the goal is an update. Um, yeah. And I, one of the things I appreciate is, um, you know, the conversations around, jazz and just the respect that Seb has for jazz music. And, you know, there, there is some, like, there is some, it would be interesting in a story about so much jazz to include like maybe more people of color as central roles. And I'm glad that we have well, John Legend. And, but um, the thing with John Legend is like, and this isn't a huge sticking point for me and I don't think it's the message of the movie, but like our one, our one person of color that we have our protagonist thinks he's ruining jazz. And it's like, that is maybe not favorable, but I don't think sure. the movie wants us to agree with Seb. Right. Yeah, I don't think that the thesis of the movie is that John Legend is ruining jazz. I think it's that he's making his own kind of jazz and Seb needs to make his own kind of jazz. Right. Yeah. It's funny. Anytime we have a dynamic like that between like what Seb and John Legend's character are doing and their different interpretations of something that they both love, I can't help it all. Wasting of Professor X and Magneto, <laughs> that whole, the whole, the whole dynamic of like, yes, but this is the only way that it's going to be respected. You know, it's kind it's of ideologically well, opposed. I think we've been trained, foes. I think we've been trained to, um, in movies, to like root for the one that wants it to be like pure, where it started, and not like you know, you look at like Rocky Four and Ivan Drago's training with all this technology, and Rocky's punching beef or Cars and, Three. Right. And it's so funny. This movie 
they're both valid and both good. And there is not this hard line of like one is better, one is worse. Um, yeah, because I, think I, I don't think this movie is a story about the necessity of innovating or updating art, even though it is itself a testament to the validity of updating right. art. Right. But I think the whole thing is like, if updating your art, if updating art is the art that only you can make, then it's your job to update that art. Right. If recreating a classic form of art is the art that you're supposed to make, then it's your job to recreate that classic form. But either way, they're going to be necessarily new and unique because you're the one doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. For sure. Um, can um, we talk about the planetarium? Please. Please. That scene, you know, we talked about, it's funny. Here's another like reference to Interstellar in this episode, but that gorgeous shot of was it the rings of saturn like where where what, what's the one where we just see the tiny oh yeah ship going That's across first across in, saturn then across gargantua yes yeah. in interstellar the the shot of like you can tell damien loves classic movies and this is kind of a letter to these classic musicals because that shot the shot of them and their uh uh essentially their uh what do you call it when it's just their silhouettes yeah. dancing in front of the galaxies is it feels old Hollywood. Yes. And it feels like that's like, we've, we've referenced it before, but if it's like 100 years of movies or the yeah. 150th anniversary of the Oscars, like in that four minute movie, like music montage, feels like that scene this could is be there. there. Yeah. It feels like that's like, oh yeah, that's one of the iconic scenes in also, cinema. This, this waltz that, that Justin Hurwitz wrote for this scene is unbelievably Honestly yes. unbelievable. They, they, they managed to both uh, write things that you feel like have always existed. Yeah, and do something completely new. Yeah, that's good. And none that's of good. it's bad. None of it's bad. I kept being like, you know, at first when you hear that bum 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 bum, I was like, oh, this is the La La Land music. This is what you know La 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 Land for. But then you hear City of Stars, <laughs> then you start hearing all these other things, and you're like, well, huh? But this was like, this isn't just because it was my third, fourth, fifth viewing. Even on the first viewing. To be able to make something and create something that the majority of people say that sounds good is a lot harder than it seems. It right. sounds like instantly like new and timeless uh, in, in a way that I think very differently, but similar to the way that uh, in 1977, when we saw Star Wars for the first time, right. it, this was a future galaxy that felt old. Right. Like yep. It was all new stuff that felt lived in and felt timeless. And I think the music for this feels at once brand new and like you said like it's always existed yeah yep i think that's really good um yep. there'll be a conversation that we can have more next week with the greatest showman um but la la land does kind of get to separate itself from what would be like a modern musical movie and i think a lot of it does have to do with the writing with the writing of the score and the writing of the script yeah, yeah because we do have movies that are an absolute blast and are so very heavy musical vibes to them of like uh, Moulin Rouge, Ch Chicago, uh, Greatest Showman, that kind of vibe. Uh, but then you do have something, and there, and there is a difference, right? We do talk about the difference between like where where does the cheese come in? Um, it's, it's a lot of intentional writing to me, I think. I'm I think interested right. to see, because I have not seen any of the others on our list after this. Uh, yes, you have. Mm -mm. You haven't seen Les Mis? No, I haven't. Hmm. Oh, we've had that conversation. That's wild. But uh, like this one... I'm interested to see if any of the others start with this. I feel like it's this opening number that is usually most seen in Disney movies where the song is like, this is our world and we are the people who live in it. And here's what we do. Like, you know what I mean? Like uh, the beginning of Moana is a great example of that where it's like, this is our Island. This is a coconut. This is a palm tree. Yeah. yeah we yeah. are the people that live on this Island with the coconut, <laughs> the palm tree. <laughs> right. But it's like, uh, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm interested to see how many others start with that really like, interesting i don't know that's just an interesting world building mm -hmm. in three minutes kind of song to me well, well that's exciting. It, you'll you'll love the beginning of sound of music because the first song they're just like this is austria and there's nazis it's gonna they were get really crazy bad guys <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna be in for a treat there i, I can't wait to hear that one of, one of the other so I, I mentioned there were three potential super pumps and i was hung up on all three of them. One of the other potential ones, and it's still not the one I'm landing on, and I thought it was until earlier, is the chemistry between Ryan and Emma. Yeah. This movie, the writing is great. The music is great. Cinematography is great. The direction is great. This is an incredible movie that 
does not reach the heights it reaches without the chemistry that Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling have with one another. Yep. And my super pump, my actual super pump, because I have one that is definitive, okay. uh, is the really stripped down them in the apartment singing City of Stars together. Yeah. Um, because it just feels so real. It feels so genuine how they yeah. feel about each other in that moment. And that I think that's what makes this so different from some other musicals uh, is because that, that relationship feels applicable um, and it just feels their, their chemistry is, is off the charts. And just to have this moment together and the fact that it's, it's really the most, uh, the least produced thing that we probably yeah, have. That's in, what in I Ways love music. Yeah. Is that it's just, basically recorded live at the piano um i i i i just it just reeks with charm like it is just over i'm trying the to think top. of the analogy for that i think it's like that scene to me is like like if you burn your steak no amount of like ketchup or steak sauce or barbecue sauce is gonna cover up the fact that the steak is burned right but mm-hmm. once you strip everything away and you're just left with like the foundational ingredient like for this, it's Seb and Mia. It's Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone at a piano. And we're just shooting it. Like if there's no production, no crazy production to this, they're just sitting playing the piano together. And the fact that that works means that we can push it all the way through the stratosphere and they're yeah. going to dance in the sky in the planetarium and have all of this crazy stuff happen, but we're still going to buy it and it's still going to be good. And and yet as simple as this scene is, we're also cutting from them at this piano singing this song to things that are going to happen after they're at this piano where they are shifting apart in different ways. Yeah. And yeah. so we're, we're using this moment of this, I, I think that's great, the stripped down bare ingredients that are kind of the proof of concept of this movie, like yeah. proving that this works. And we're also taking that opportunity to rip my heart out of my chest. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what is so unique about this movie. Yeah, because when they give us that very real moment that seems to have some kind of nostalgia you might not be able to put a finger on, right? Like I've felt this before. Mm-hmm. When we have that really real moment, it it hurts even more because it's not like, yeah. man, I, I really do miss when they danced in front of the galaxy at the planetarium. I bet they're going to miss that too. <laughs> like, no, that and even the holding hands for the first time at the theater, right, yeah. that also was just was just so good. Yeah, but and I think... I think I'm going to, I'm going to hijack for just a minute here, if that's okay, because I want to talk about the thing that actually ended up being my super pump and I'm a little surprised by it, but, um, and that, that heart out of the chest thing plays in. I've talked before on our podcast a little bit about, um, the feeling that I sometimes get from consuming different media. Um, it's happened with, you know, books, TV shows, movies, whatever, as long as I can remember it's happened. And this is not my gauge of whether something is good, but typically it only happens when I really like something. Um, so it's, 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 you know, all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares (laughs) there. This movie fills me completely with this intense melancholy. Yeah, it is. It is simultaneously the feeling that it, that it leaves me with when it's over is simultaneously super pleasant and super unpleasant. I feel hollow and that I would rattle like a maraca if you shook me. (laughs) And what I always say is if it lasted forever, I would hate it. And if I never felt it again, I would miss it. Like it is good and bad. And it is this, this, and and I think when I am left with this feeling after a movie or a book or something, typically what it means is there's some connection there that went away when the movie ended, like the yeah. credits rolled and it's like, Oh, it's gone. Yeah. And La La Land just as much as anything else ever has just completely fills me with this pleasant, buzzy, melancholy feeling that, is just such a hard bullseye to hit. And this is so subjective and weird. And I can't even like measure it to be like, it makes me feel this way, but not you. I don't know. It, it that might be universal, but just to me, it is such a um uniquely bittersweet, lovely movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. you don't you don't want to have to make a decision at the end of the movie on what you're most satisfied for. Who right. am I happiest? For. Yeah, right. You want it to be, I'm happy for them all together right. because they're together and they got what they wanted. Right. Uh, but now it's kind of like, well, you know what? Good for Mia. 
you, yeah. you kind of start having to put like a, right. put them on a level and you don't want <laughs> right. to do that to these people. That- and I think the heartbreak comes from seeing the final dance number where we see what quote unquote could have been such a tease and then having to reconcile in, in the mind of the viewer in our minds, having to reconcile. That's awesome. But is it best? Yeah. Really? Is it the best thing? I, I remember, I remember people being so uh, upset, but, but in like an honest and thoughtful way, I think that some people were starting to develop a theory that what we saw in that final number was actually what ended up happening, right? They were like Hmm. trying to make twisty. I remember Hmm. some people seeing the movie and being like, no, 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 they ended up being happy. And I was like, well, you're in denial. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. They didn't at all. And so my super dump starts to segue into this. So after the audition, which is brilliant, and it's also brilliant that uh, Chazelle has basically stopped being a musical after they stopped being in, in love, it felt yes. like, or, or, or stopped, you know, being in that relationship. Um, but the, so the moment that we have the outlaw on the bench, mm. when they go back to the bench, um, it's my super dump is here. And it's because after the audition, you know, Seb is like, no, you're absolutely going to get it. You're going to get, you're going to be an actress. Like, I know it's going to happen. You killed it. Uh, and then that just right there, they decide that there's no way to get back together. Right. Yeah. Um, that's my super dump. Uh, but Here's the thing, and, it, uh, and I know there's always a caveat on a super dump that it is a movie that we all love so much. And even uh, pulling the curtain back, had conversations about is this perfect <laughs> on our own uh, messaging uh, each other before we did the podcast. But I think without that, without the breakup, it's not the movie that it 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 ends up being right. Right. at the end. Like we, the breakup is what does make it so brilliant and so melancholy and hard to watch, but realistic and all these wonderful things that come from the breakup. But I, I think I needed more than just what felt like Seb's assumption that it yeah. can't because, and here's, I've got a little more to back this up. Um, Mia, this makes Seb feel like he wasn't as into the relationship as Mia was because Mia was willing while he was on tour, he was living some kind of dream before it was exposed to her that, that it wasn't really what Seb wanted. It wasn't just straight up jazz. Yeah. But she was willing to still make this work in this relationship while he was starting to be the, like making the, the breadwinner for whatever the relationship was. And she was struggling and all this kinds of stuff. Like she was still willing. But once he finds out she's going to be famous, he's like, this can't work. And so I, I, that was kind of my super dump there. Hmm. Yeah, I think his reasoning is more along the lines of like, this didn't work last time when we were apart. And sure. like, I don't want you to have to to give it up basically. I don't know. I I'm, haven't really thought much about how it stops being a musical basically once they break up. Like they have their fight at the right at the dinner table basically. And then it's when they're, much when they're not, not happy anymore, I think is what I read. So when they're right. not happy anymore, that's why we get music back in her audition. So she's I, wonder fighting if, up. I wonder if we're to regard like when they're singing, they, they basically, they, they thought like, Hey, engaging with my creativity, engaging with uh, my purpose, my calling, whatever you want to call it is possible because of this person in my life, because I'm in this relationship, they're teaching me how to engage with what I believe that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and then when they're not together, there's probably an element like Mia goes back home to her parents' house and is like, I'm not going to do that. This is not me. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she sings again in her audition and, and maybe we're to regard that as she is understanding. Now I can engage with my calling. I can engage with my purpose. Right. And I don't have to be Seb's girlfriend to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's great. I think that's a really good point. I think for me, it was, I think what makes me satisfied and makes me, yeah. uh, makes it even harder to dig around and find a super dump for this movie is go ahead and give us like five more minutes of Seb trying of him following her around and seeing her success and him just trying and then realizing when I do this, I don't get to, you know, I don't get to start my own thing, like do the jazz bar and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Or like give us a number in those five minutes and it being like, okay, at least I tried. Because I think the the main issue I have is, is like, he didn't, he didn't even want to try. Like he doesn't try. Yeah. He didn't yeah. even want to try. I wonder if, and I agree with you. It is a little jarring. I, I wonder if that is supposed to be like, if we're supposed to see that as, some of Seb's growth. Sure. Like if we're supposed to see that, that as a selfless act of if we try and stay together and you go do this, there's going to be a part of you that can't fully commit to this dream because I'm waiting or because I'm hanging around or because I'm following. Yep. I wonder if it's even selfless in service of himself saying like, Hey, I know that if I follow you, I'm not going to get to engage with what I believe I'm supposed to be doing with my creativity, my gift. And I'm not going to get to open 
chicken on a stick in that old jazz club that's now right. a samba and tapas bar. Like, and Sebs, I know that's what I'm supposed to do. Seb's is not in that place, is it not? I don't think so. That's something that I that I noticed because I think that is why Mia is shocked when she realizes where she oh, walked yeah. into because it's not. Because they ended up going back to, for the nostalgia's sake, the first place that Seb, her intention was to go back to the place that Seb introduced jazz music to her, place that is now Seb's, right? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because I don't think it was her choice. I think they just happened to walk past where Seb's is now. Regardless, regardless, I think it's, I think his decision to not try is probably in service of his own assuredness of his calling. Right. Right. No, my my thing was more, I just think it's, I I love Seb's journey of, uh, unless I'm mistaken, he did not end up buying the building of the club. Like the space is not the space he thought he wanted. And he ended up kind of taking Mia's advice of why does it have to be that room? Why can't you let go of that and get a different space and still have your dream? Hmm. Um, Cause it's not, I don't think it's on a corner like that place was, um, I think that's why she is so shocked when she walks in because it is not. I think she would have mm. recognized that old building. I don't know. Yeah, Just, I like that they're they're each like carrying a part of the other's advice with them though. Like right. how his club is Seb's and not Chicken on a Stick, and she is. He used her art. She's not just she's not just acting. She's writing as well. Yeah, it's awesome. awesome. Um, we could. I feel like we're dangerously close to a that's awesome train, and so I think it's time <laughs> to rate this movie. Uh, and we're going to do that using science, uh, the uh, the very magic that powers the Griffith Observatory and allows them to float into space and dance with very one another. And uh, we're going to do it with the scientific cinema scale, which is perfect and as follows. The best thing we can ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy, buy that, that poster. poster. The next best thing is buy it. After that is rent it. That's followed by stream it and then forget it. Last, but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God hath forsaken us. So as, I'll go. I'll go. Nope, <laughs> nope. Me first. All three of us. Nope, me. Uh, so I'm buying the poster, but I have it. My poster buy comes with the same kind of melancholy we get at the end of La La Land. I buy the poster but I feel that no one else is going to try and do a musical like this. I think this was it. If it happens Mm. again, it's the same director because Mm. even after this, like we get like things like the greatest showman, which is an absolute blast, but they are not trying to do the same thing. Right. uh, With La La Land, La La Land gets to be a little bit of everything uh, in a completely fair and yet unfair way that it Mm. is classic Hollywood Yet it is a standalone, like, epic of a film that is incredibly decorated and just nearly perfect and so, so poignant and obviously poignant. We don't have to look for these kind of things that make just a good story. And I don't Mm. know if it's going to happen again. I really don't. So I buy the poster with a kind of La La Land ending tied on top. No, I think that's that's really good. And I think that's, that's a great point. I think that La La Land has succeeded so handily that no one else is going to touch anything like this. Yeah. It's we're we're just going to get, because what happens after that too, is like Hamilton's such a big deal. So now it's like, okay, if we do musicals, we're just going to rip the story from the stage. Right. So I, I don't know if we're going to get it again. Hmm. Well, I am also buying this poster. Um, I think this movie is practically perfect in every way. Hmm. Um, it is. I just love it, man. I, again, it's not the best musical we're going to review during this series. It is unequivocally, in my opinion, the best movie we will review in this series. And one of the best movies we have talked about as a podcast. I'm also going to buy the poster. Uh, and I've heard it said that much that conversation is only, I say only, conversation is the search for the perfect metaphor to make somebody understand the thoughts in your head. Uh, La La Land to me feels like being sore after a massage where it's like, there is so there's something about this. And I think it's because it, it follows young creative professionals engaging with what they believe to be their deepest sense of purpose. Mm. And that story I think is always going to be important to me because that's something that I try to do in my Mm. life, you know? And I think that's something probably all three of us try to do in our life. We're young creative boys 
trying to engage with our sense of purpose. Um, but to me, it feels like this movie got into my soul and kind of worked on areas where I was maybe knotted up uh, or it just pushed on some things that might have needed to get pushed on. And I'm better for having watched it, but I have this deep ache, this melancholy soreness after I watch it. And I'm when I look at the poster, I'm going to be reminded of A, how good the massage felt, but B, how sore I am after I get that massage. Right. You need to hydrate. But I'm absolutely going to buy this poster. Say what? You need to hydrate. After Water's the solution to all problems. <laughs> if you hear nothing else, hear that water solves every problem. Except drowning. No, more water. It cancels out. <laughs> oh, I love this movie. I'm yeah, so glad really good. <laughs> we got to talk about it. Speaking of movies we're going to talk about next week, we are going to talk about the third movie in our Chusical series, uh, which is going to be The Greatest Showman. The uh, Which and, we found uh, was the, very, uh, the sequel to The Prestige. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prestige Part 2, colon The Greatest Showman, colon Redux. And um, it's going to be... It's going to be quite a sode, I believe, because Doge has never seen it. So I'm excited about that. Never seen it. Uh, that'll be great. Another thing that is coming up, uh, you can see it just beginning to crest the horizon, is going to be our The Moon. It's our Patreon review of The Moon, where we're going to look at that <sighs> big, great white circle and talk about how good it makes us feel and how nuts those werewolves go for it. No, we're going to be talking about Hamilton. Uh, similar uh, in scope of cultural impact to The Moon, but mm. decidedly a very different experience. Uh, so Hamilton is on Disney Plus now, and we're going to be reviewing that uh, and, and talking about it for our official Chunkies. And so if you want to become an official Chunky, it costs you three American dollars per month, uh, but you get lots of great bonus content that we're all super proud of. And while you're on the internet to uh, go check out all of our Patreon stuff, why don't you make sure that you're following us on social media as well? Lots of good stuff going on over there for you to check out. Hey, to end today's episode... I would like for us each to say our name and to say what the title of the musical about our love lives would be. Our musical love lives? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Now, for Two Chunks and a Hunk, I'm Jordan Wonders, and uh, the the musical about Callie and I's romance would be known as The Greatest Show, comma, man. And it's it's just about how we, <laughs> we fall in love with each other and fall in love with TV shows and movies, uh, watching them together. Uh, have you seen The Greatest Show, man? So that's, yeah, that's ours. <laughs> have you seen The Great Show, The Greatest Show, man, man? <laughs> I'm Doge, uh, and the musical about my relationship with my wife would be, are they dating yet? Colon, oh, it's yeah. about time. Yeah, no doubt. That's funny. No doubt. And I'm Carter, and the title of Chelsea and I's uh, musical uh movie what do we call it musical movie romance of like how we met and all that good stuff i think that's verbatim what we're okay excellent it, yeah. musical movie romance title of mine and chelsea's relationship is uh les miserables <laughs> <laughs> Dosh. wait colon jk it's great <laughs> sorry no, babe jk XOXO. it's the greatest show comma man man Dosh. The song, the title song, or the big song from your musical would be Just Ask Her Out for the Love of All Things Good. <laughs> oh my God. How have you not asked her out? <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.